This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Well, God is so good. We're still in the series. I'm finishing up. Don't worry. Be happy. Amen? And I'm telling you, God's been bringing us through a journey uh, in, this, um, in this series, glory to God. And uh, we, we discovered in this series that the natural response uh, in a lot of human behavior when people are dealing with things is worry. Has anybody ever worried out here? <laughs> Has anybody ever had any stressful days out here? Has anybody been tested in that area? Amen. Well, you know, I'm going to say this, that uh, uh, we're, you know, this living in this planet, it's a little bit, some people say it's, it's like hell living down here, but it, it's a little bit of heaven and a little bit of hell. You're going to have good days. You're going to have heavenly days, heavenly moments, moments where you can rejoice. And then you're going to have other times where it's not too easy. The Bible says you're going to have weeping times. And weeping, the Bible says, may endure in the evening. But what happens in the morning? Joy is coming. So, so weeping may endure in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? And hopefully it stays. Hallelujah. And so we're, I'm ministering on living a worried-free life. And, and the world is a worried-filled World motivated by fear, greed, and pride. The, 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 the world that we live in, or I call it the devil's kingdom. And the Christian, as our world, should be motivated by faith and love. In other words, if you're walking by faith, you're not walking by sight. I'm preaching to somebody today. In other words, we don't walk by what we see, we walk by what we believe. So it's what you believe will overcome what you see. I'm preaching to somebody today. So what I'm saying to you this morning, you need to start believing. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a believing believer. I love this because, I, amen, because, you know, there are some believers that are unbelieving believers. In other words, some believers don't believe that God still moves today, that God still works miracles, that God still answers prayer. Because they pray prayers like, if it be thy will. And if you pray a prayer like that, then why pray? Because if God's going to either heal or not heal, deliver or not deliver, he's going to do it regardless if we pray or not. (laughs) Is that good? In other words, if you believe that, then he's going to do whatever he wants to do regardless of prayer. But we know that's not right. We know prayer can change things. The word of God can change things. But if your philosophy is, well, if it's going to change, God's going to change it. No, we're going to have to do something to change some things in our lives. Amen. I call it no. uh, Some people call it no fault religion. No fault religion is God's totally in charge, commanding everything. And whatever happens, God is the one that's behind it. No, that's not true. Because we have a free will. Look at your name and say, you have a free will. Amen. To choose. Somebody say, I'm choosing life today. Amen. So, so, so let's look at uh, this great scripture. Uh, and it says here, if you're dealing with any turmoil, if you're dealing with any worry, uh, Jesus says this in John 14, 7, uh, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What Jesus is saying in this verse is that his peace is greater. The peace that Jesus can give us is greater than the peace that we can seek in this world. I'm preaching now. Because I'm going to say this, that the world uh, that, that, that is operated by the devil, I call it the devil's kingdom, he operates in a counterfeit peace. This counterfeit peace is, try, is, is being 
uh, produced through people that are addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, addicted to sex. And it's supposed to be a replacement for the peace of God. And I'm going to say this, those things will never give you the peace that God wants you to have. Has anybody ever tried any of those things? Have you ever been involved in some of those things? And I just need a nightcap. You know, you just need Jesus Christ. You don't need JD, you need JC. (laughs) Some people think they need, I need Jack Daniels. You know, and they, they have the commercial and it's in the butt barrels and it's Jack Daniels. And they show a smooth cup. Glory to God. But the Bible says it, it, it may go down smooth, but it will bite like a viper in the end. Can I get a witness in a house today? In other words, it's not wise to be drinking intoxicating drinks. Amen. Yes, I'm, pre- I'm preaching prohibition. Amen. Glory to God. Yes, I'm saying that you need a put it down and pick something else up. So I'm going to say this, that in our Christian life, God will totally deliver us from some things. And some things, it's a process of deliverance. How many people are going through a process of deliverance out here? And, and we all are supposed to be becoming more like Jesus. How many people are becoming more Christ-like in the house? I hope you are. I hope you're not becoming more like the devil. See, the devil wants you to be like him. What is the devil like? He's mean. He's judgmental. He's critical. He's bitter. And so what is the devil like? He wants us to be like him. I don't want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. Amen. And, 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 so, and so the world is going towards these vices. As Christian, you can go back to your old sinful ways. You can try to escape frustration that life gives you. You can try to medicate your problems through these vices, but you should not be medicating. You should be meditating. I'm preaching to somebody today. Don't be medicating, but be meditating. What do I mean by that? I mean, you need to meditate on the word of God because it's only the word of God that will bring you true peace. Amen. And so I'm going to say this, that that you don't want to run to your vices. You want to run to Jesus and the world is running to their vices because of this hectic world. And I'm going to say this as a Christian, if we're going towards these vices, it becomes an idol in our lives. Oh, I'm preaching today. And so what is an idol? You may ask an idol is something that you worship. Am I preaching to anybody today? And so if you're, if you're going to things, uh, you're going to substances, you're going to your vices to get your, to get your fix or to get your peace, then you're not really trusting God and you're not putting your trust and your, and your faith in Him and, 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 and you're neglecting the power of God to set you free. And you're neglecting the power of God to give you peace in the midst of... Of the storm. Amen. Christians that have sin in their lives that won't truly repent make excuses for their sin. People even, they make excuses. They blame their circumstances because they're in sin. They blame their past because they're in sin. They will blame people that are trying to help them. Am I preaching to anybody? They will even blame God. Am I preaching to anybody today? I know, I know it may not be this crowd, but we don't want to get in a place where we blame God. Remember, original sin was, of course, with original sin started with Lucifer. But a, a, a sin that started with mankind, Adam and Eve, they sinned. And remember that Adam and Eve, they sinned. They ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it was forbidden for them to do that. And what happened was, as soon as they sinned, they ran and hid. They, and then they took fig leaves to cover themselves because they were naked. They realized they were naked. Sin will always strip you of the glory of God on your lives. Am I preaching to anybody today? 
And so they put fig leaves on, and, and it's really, it's a form of religion. It's a form of covering yourself up. And so they try to hide from God, and sin will always cause us to hide from God. And then God finally spoke to Adam and said, where are you, Adam? God knew where Adam was, but did Adam know where he was? Did he know where he was in his walk with God? He had broken fellowship. And so God said, what did you do? Did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And and guess what Adam said? Adam said, I repent. Please forgive me. Uh, Wash me from my sins. Uh, Adam didn't do that. He said, it's the girl you gave me. Isn't that original sin? You blame somebody. God, it's you and you made the girl. So it's the girl you gave me. And she's the one that caused me to be tempted. No, Adam had a job. And Adam's job was to kick the creeps out of the garden. He was to tend the garden. His job was to tell that, 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 you know, that serpent to go, but he didn't do his job. He listened to his wife and he ate the fruit. And then what, what did God do? He went to Eve and he, and he said, Eve, what did you do? And she said, I repent. She didn't say that either, did she? What if Adam and Eve repented? What if, could it have been a little different? I mean, have you ever thought about that? What if they dropped to their knees and said, we messed up. Can we have a do-over? You know, amen. I don't know, but they didn't repent. And so what did Eve say? Eve said, it's that snake that you made, God. If you didn't make that snake, I would never have been deceived. Amen. So what am I saying? Sometimes when we're allowing sin in our lives, we want to duck and hide We don't want to fess up when we mess up. And what happens is it doesn't produce the peace and the joy in our life. You know my 11th commandment. Anybody remember my 11th commandment? Thou shalt not fool thyself. That's my 11th commandment. Don't fool yourself. In other words, you can walk in deception about your sin and you can almost act like, well, God, well, God, does, judgment hasn't fallen, so God must not care about it. God cares about everything that we do. Amen. And, uh, and so we got to get, we got to, we, man, we, we got to get um, honest with ourselves. You know, if, you know, think about this. Think about this. I, I was going to go here with this illustration. I was going to do it at the end, but I'm going to do it now. Uh, David, remember David uh, in the Old Testament? A God, a, a man after God's own heart. He was one of the greatest kings ever raised up. He loved God with all his heart. He was a praiser. He wrote most of the Psalms. Glory to God. This man was amazing. And, uh, and so, but uh, one, one day he didn't go out with the kings to fight. And guess what happened? The temptation came and Bathsheba was bathing and he saw Bathsheba and he gone, Wow. And you know what? Bathsheba. And then he started focusing on Bathsheba and her beauty. And, uh, he's, and, and him thinking he was a king, he thought that he was exempt from the rules. You, we're not exempt from the rules. And what did he have? He had relations with Bathsheba. And then what happened? He got her pregnant. That wasn't in his plan. And then what happened? Uriah, that was married to Bathsheba, was on the front lines fighting for David. And so he called Uriah back and said, Uriah, won't you come off the front lines and go, go to your house and sleep with your wife. <laughs> Enjoy your wife. And Uriah was such a man of honor and integrity. He said, I can't enjoy the pleasure with my wife knowing that my men are out there in the field fighting the fight. And he slept on the doorstep of David's th- throne. And David was like, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do? Why? Because when sometimes you're in sin, you want to cover it. You want to protect yourself. You want to keep people from finding out. But the best thing you need to do is confess it, reveal it to people, have people pray for you. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Help you come out of it. We need help. I need your help. You need my help. We need help. We need to be praying for each other, standing with each other, 
praying when we're in those places. And then, you know, this is interesting about the story. David went ahead and said to Uriah, Uriah wouldn't sleep with his wife. So, so he said, David said, okay, this is what I'm going to have to do. He was calculating in his thoughts. He wrote a letter to the, to, to the main uh, officer uh, in the army. And he said, he said, Uriah, give this to, and it was sealed with his seal on it. Give this to the main officer. And, and, and what it said, it was, it was, it said to put Uriah in the front lines so he could be killed. It was Uriah's death warrant. Think about that. So sin will cause you to kill people around you. Am I preaching to anybody today? To protect yourself. And, and so what happened? He married uh, Bathsheba. And he was going about his own life thinking that God didn't really notice. And then guess what? There was a prophet that came. I believe it was Naaman. And he came and he said, listen, David. He said, there's, a, there's an atrocity in your kingdom There's a man that's very wealthy in your kingdom that has many sheep. And this man uh, had a guest come from out of town. And, 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 And the rich man saw a neighbor, which was a poor man that had one sheep. And that sheep was a pet to the family. And that man that was wealthy, that had many sheep, took that pet from that family, took it, stole it. And slaughtered it and gave it to his friends. And he said, David, what should we do to this man? And David said, this man should die. But that was a strong uh, judgment because stealing a sheep is not a penalty for death. Why? Because sin will always make you hard. Oh, I'm preaching today. Will always make you judgmental will always make you criticize others. It's always somebody else's fault. And then when he, when he said, when David said, who is this man that did this? And Naaman said, you are the man. You are the man. And he was confronted with his sin. And you know what? He repented. And he asked God's forgiveness. And he asked God to bring the joy of the Lord back. See, you will lose your joy. And, 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 but there was still repercussions. There's going to still be problems. And David had problems. There was a curse that came into David's family because of his sin. Because he shed blood, blood was going to be shed in his family. And he had a wrecked family from that point on. If you study the life of David. I don't know if he had re-rounded it. If he had backed up and saw everything that would have happened in his life, if he would have, if he would have sinned with Bathsheba, I think he would have not. Because so whatsoever man sows, so shall he reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he will leap, reap life. So, so we got to, my 11th commandment again, thou shalt not fool thyself. I like what it says in Psalms 15, 1 and 2. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Think about that. If we're going to walk worry-free, we must get honest with where we're at in God, turn from those things that can destroy our fellowship with the Father and destroy our fellowship with other believers, with those that love us. A sinful life will always lead us into frustration, worry, and turn a, turn a root of bitterness into our lives. There was a famous song, I believe it was created in 1965, which was the year I was born. And, it was, and, and Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones sung this song. And you may have heard this song. It's an old song. It's, I can't get no satisfaction. But I try, and I try, and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. And I can't, pre- I can't sing it as good as he can. But, but it became so popular, it came, became the number one song. Why would a song that, that, that has lyrics, I can't get no satisfaction, become like the number one song in the nation? Because the world can't get no satisfaction. And they can relate to a song like that. I can't get no 
Don't look it up on YouTube when you get out of here and start singing it. Amen. And we can't get no satisfaction. But I try and I try and I try, but you can't get no. Why? Because you can't get it from the world. See, see, it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life is from the world. And those things are dissipating. They're going to they're gonna go by the wayside. But you know what will never go by the wayside? The love of God. Will never go by the wayside. So, so, so we, need to, we need to understand this, that we need not to be running towards our sin. We need to be running towards the Son. So, so if you're going to walk uh, worry-free, you're going to have to, you're going to have to focus on Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you might ask? What does that mean? The kingdom of God and his righteousness means that we seek God and his purpose for our lives and we do the things God's way. Look at your name and say, do, do it God's way. And we do it, we don't do it our way. We do it God's way. Some people, what they want to do is they want to pick and choose what they want to read in the Bible to fit their lifestyle. And, and, and if it fits their lifestyle, even if it doesn't go with the word of God, they think they're okay because they pulled out Texas out of the Bible, they said, well, say, this says it's okay. Amen. No, no, no. you got to read the whole Bible because just pulling one text out of context makes it a con. Yeah. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you today? So we got to be focused on that. We need to first seek the king of God in his righteousness. And, and it, it's, it's doing what he's, you know, there was a popular slogan many years ago called WWJD. Does anybody remember what, what that acronym is? WW, and you would say, what would Jesus do? Sometimes somebody would be acting nasty like another Christian. You just say, WWJD. Right? What would Jesus do? And, and, and you just throw it out. WWJD. You know, if somebody, you know, if a Christian or a spouse is not walking like Christ, not act, you just throw that WWJD out. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Why? And, and, and what would Jesus? That's right. I got to act like Jesus. Amen. So Jesus uh, said this one time. Why call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I ask? Many people say God, Jesus is Lord, but are you following him? Is he really your Lord? Or is he your ticket to get out of hell card? Is he your grace card? No, no, he has to be your Lord. He's, he's not just a ticket. He's not just a ticket to get you out of hell. No, he's there to run your life. In other words, he becomes the king of your heart. Jesus is the ruler of our lives. Amen? And I like this. It says here, why do you call me in Luke 6? 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came and a torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the turret struck, the house has collapsed and its destruction was complete. So what Jesus is saying is when we build our lives obeying God's word, we're building a structure. When the storms of life come, we will not fall. See, see, there's a there's a kid's saying that uh, it's, it's the big bad wolf. And he comes to huff and puff and to blow your house down. And you know the story. One made the house out of, out of uh, what was it, out of hay. And one made it out of sticks. But the other made their house out of brick. And so I'm saying this, when you're obeying God 
Or if you're disobeying God, walking in darkness, your house is built on sticks. Your house is built on hay. The devil will come and he will huff and he will puff. Man, I didn't know I was going here tonight, this morning. And blow your house down. And I'm telling you, your house cannot be blown down when you're standing on the rock of God's revealed word in your life. We can't live compromised lives if we're going to walk in the victory of God every day in our lives. Seeking God's kingdom as righteousness is a lifelong pursuit that we as Christians need to be engaged in every day of our lives. Seeking the kingdom of God produces the kingdom blessings in our lives. What is the kingdom blessings, you might ask? In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. Uh, you could say the kingdom of God is not worldly pleasures, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what he was saying in this context is that if our eating and our drinking offends our brother, hold back from eating or drinking those things because because the kingdom is based on God's love. And God's love is walking in love towards God and walking in love towards others. And so it says here that the kingdom will produce, when we're walking according to his word, peace and peace. Joy. Amen. So as we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he adds to us that blessings of peace and joy. It's a byproduct of seeking the kingdom of his righteousness. God's kingdom is rooted in his love. When we are truly walking in God's love, we will obey his word and endeavor to walk a life pleasing to him. Thus eliminating worry and fear out of our lives. When we're walking a life pleasing to God, walking love towards God and people, we'll see the blessing of peace and joy in our lives. Thus, don't worry, be happy. Let's look at a great passage that connects us to bearing fruit in the kingdom of God. And this is probably one of the most powerful uh, scriptures in the Bible pertaining to the calling of God on our lives. You may say, what's my calling, uh, pastor? And I would say your calling is to bear good fruit. That's what we're called to do. We're not really called to, to make a great. I heard one preacher said, you're called to, to make, your, to make uh, a great name for God. No, you're really called to bear good fruit. And in bearing good fruit, you may make a great name for God. And, and the Bible does say to Abraham, I will make your name great. But that's not the objective to our faith in God. Our objective is to bear good fruit. Can I get a witness in the house today? And so it says here, Jesus is speaking in John 15. I am the true vine and my, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Well, that's, that's, a pow- that's powerful. You can stop right there. I won't give a commentary on that. But, but I think that if we're not bearing fruit, that, that this is saying right here that our life could be shortened. Amen. And, and we don't want our life short and we could be taken away, which me, I think this passage is saying that you could actually go, go, go to home to heaven early. Amen. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. See, if you're bearing fruit in God, there's going to be some pruning that God's going to do so that we can bear more fruit. Why? Because God wants us always moving forward in our faith. He doesn't want us standing still. He doesn't want us coasting. He wants us pressing in to the things of God. And he, said, bear, uh, he says here that he prunes that you may bear fr- more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. This is powerful. Because Jesus got this revelation, he would say this constantly, I can do nothing without the Father. Or he would say when he does a miracle, it's not me working it, it's the Father working it through me. He always gave glory to the Father. And we need to be always giving glory to the Father. Even when we do the good things. Amen? But we don't want to be blaming the devil when we do the bad things. It's the devil that made me do it. No, no, you have a free will to choose whether you're going to walk with God or not. 
And notice it says this, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they are gathered them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. This tells me there's a possibility that we have, as Christians, the, the possibility of not abiding in, in Christ. He says, if you do not abide, well, what does that mean? Well, abiding in Christ is two ways. You're abiding in his word, which you're walking according to his word, and you're abiding in his love. When you abide in his word, you're abiding in his love. They, they go hand in hand. And he says here, uh, uh, my words abide in you. He says here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father's glorified that you bear much fruit. So you'll be my disciples. And this is this right here is where I want the focus point. I want to get on this. It says, as my father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So what he's saying here is, if you don't keep his commandments, will you abide in his love? No. What will happen? If you're not keeping his commandments, you're, you're going to get angry. You're going to get judgmental. You're going to get critical. I'm not preaching. You're going to start blaming people. Amen. So he says here, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I spoke to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So what is the byproduct of abiding in God's love? It's bearing fruit. And the byproduct of that is joy. (laughs) I'm preaching. I'm Preaching to somebody today, amen. The byproduct. I don't know about you, but I need some more joy in my life. I need some more peace in my life. And this is my commandment that, and then he says, he goes on to say, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love no one than this that one lay down his, one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit. And your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you these things. I command you that you love one another. Amen. So so he's commanding us to love one another. He's saying that if you going to walk in God's love, you got to obey his commands. And when you obey his commands, you you actually prove out that you're walking in his love. And when you're walking in his love, it produces the joy that God wants to give you. In your lives. And when you're walking out of God's love and you're not obeying his commands, what does it produce? Worry, frustration, anxiety. Am I preaching to anybody today? So I believe that God created us. Some people say God created us uh, to be his errand boys. You know, somebody might say that, but God didn't create us to be his errand boys. He didn't create us, you know, for that. He, I really believe that he created us for fellowship. How many people can get an amen? Do you believe that God created you for fellowship? Because if you think about Jesus' life, he was created. uh, Jesus came down on earth and he was big on fellowship. Jesus was big on fellowship, right? He was always eating with the sinners, trying to talk to them about the kingdom. He was always fellowshipping and all that. And why? Why? Because he was big on fellowship. God's big on fellowship. And so God created us for, for fellowship, sweet fellowship. And we're supposed to have f- good, great fellowship with God and great fellowship with the body. Now, I'm going to say this to you today. If, you, if, you're, if your fellowship with, with the body is out of, out, of, out of sync, then your fellowship with God's out of sync. If your fellowship is, with God is out of sync, your fellowship with, with the body is out of sync. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, it's a horizontal and vertical relationship. Our vertical relationships will affect our horizontal and our horizontal will affect our vertical. So so what am I saying to you today? I'm saying that when we allow sin in our lives, it will break down the fellowship in our lives and it will keep us from being the best that God wants us to be. It will keep us from walking that abundant life that Jesus paid for us to have. Now, in 1 John 1, 3, it says it this way, uh, 3 and 4, it says, That which you have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Notice, 
He's talking about fellowship here. He's saying here, this we have seen and heard. He was talking about seeing the risen Jesus, handling the risen Jesus. John saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus uh, at the very beginning of 1 John. Then he said, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship. Underline that word fellowship with us. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Talking about fellowship. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So, so how does joy come? Through rich fellowship. So, so if joy comes through rich fellowship with the Father and rich fellowship with one another, what does broken fellowship produce? Strife. Amen. Worry. Fear. Is that right? That It produces that. In a believer's life. And, and so we got to be careful about that. But, 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 but it says here in 1 John 1, 5. This message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship. There's the word fellowship again. With him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Notice it says here that if we walk in the light, we have fellowship. If we walk in darkness, we have broken fellowship. Is it, is it simple? If we walk in the light, we have fellowship. If we walk in darkness, we'll have broken fellowship. We, in other words, our fellowship with the Father can be broken through sin in our lives. And that short circuits the joy that God wants to put in our lives. And I don't want to sacrifice anything for the peace and joy that God can give me in this life. There's too many things trying to come against me for me to allow my peace and joy to be shut down. I can't afford it because the joy of the Lord is your strength and sin will make you weak and will make cowards of us all. Man, I need this message more than you. <laughs> you know, when I preach this message, and I, man, I got to get closer to God. My Lord Jesus. Amen. We should always have a desire to get closer to God. I'm not close enough to my father. How about you? How, are, you close, are, you, are you as close as you know you need to be? Can you get closer to the father? That's my question. Can we be closer to God? I think we can move closer to God. I think those that draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Glory to God. Amen. See, it says here that, that, that righteous living causes the blood of Jesus to be working in our lives. The blood of Jesus cleanses us when we walk in the light. But if we're walking in darkness, is that blood still cleansing us? Yes and no. There is grace to repent and that blood still works to a degree, but you are still short-circuiting the joy and peace in your life. And God will give you some amount of grace in your sin until you wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Amen. And so, but if you continue and God keeps saying, get right, get right, pretty soon you say, get right or get left. In other words, listen, you, 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 if you love your sin more than the sun, that sin becomes an idol. It becomes something that you worship. And if you put that before God, then, then you are falling in your life. Am I preaching to anybody today? Because it says in Hebrews 10, 26, this is a strong message. Can you guys handle it? Handle this scripture? I think, I think you guys can handle this. Because I was like, should I put this in or should I put this in? Should I put this in? It says in Hebrews 10, 26, for if we sin willfully... After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Think about that. Well, pastor, I thought once saved, always saved. Not according to this scripture. I thought that, you know, I can live my life any way I want and I still got heaven. I can have my cake and eat it too. Uh, I don't know about that. You better, you better, you better think again. 
Because I don't want to be those that say, Lord, Lord, yeah, there's going to be some that's going to be standing and said, haven't we done this in your name? Haven't we done that in your name? And, and, and they thought they were going to make it to heaven. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And, and you who practice lawlessness. That's the key right there. Practice lawlessness. Now, I'm not saying we all mess up. We all can miss the mark. We all can fall under temptation. But, but see, see, Christians, they fall, but they get back up. They're like weeble wobbles. They fall, but they come back up. Amen? So we, we fall, but we get back up. A good man can fall seven times, but he rises back up and turns around and keeps work. See, repentance is not just giving a prayer and saying, God, forgive me. It's, that's, too, that's one part of it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our righteousness. But sometimes we just do that and keep sinning. No, no, we don't just confess that, that and say, okay, that's my grace card. I'm good until the next time I sin. And I'm marking it on my calendar the next time I'm going to do it tonight. But I got my scripture. Amen. Uh, you're not really repenting. Because repentance is confessing and asking God to forgive. But it's also turning. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. Repentance is not just confessing. It's turning away from those things, glory to God, that will try and destroy your life. In other words, it's turning from something and turning to something else. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? you got to turn. you got, you know, you got to despise the sins that you love. Some people say, oh, I really hate that sin that's in my life. Why are you still doing it? Do you really hate it? <laughs> you got to despise the things, the sin that, 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 that comes to your life. The Bible talks about this. See, we all have a race and we're running our race and the devil's going to try to short circuit our race. He wants to short circuit the peace and the joy in our lives. He wants our lives to be miserable. See, the devil wants to, you to be just like him. He's miserable. He's stressed out. The devil's fearful. The devil's angry. And guess what? You keep sitting in your life, you'll become just like the devil. Mm. Fearful, angry, resentful, bitter. Am I preaching to somebody today? See, I walked a backslidden life. I was half in God and half in the world. I was straddling the fence. And you know what? I became more angry and more angry and more frustrated in my walk. I was one of those people. Until I finally said, no more. I'm not going back there anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't deal with the condemnation. Amen. I can't, the, the condemnation would, the, would keep coming into my life. And I said, I, I got to stop doing this thing. I got I to start walking in the light because it's shutting down my fellows. It's making me mean. Am I preaching to anybody today? And then, and then it makes you so mean. Then we get so self-deceived, we start thinking everybody else is the problem. And, and we don't see that maybe we're the problem. And so we need to see the, the word of God. Man, I'm trying to close down here. But the word of God is a magnifying glass to our lives. It's a mirror. It's supposed to reveal areas in our lives where we need to adjust and we need to change and we need to become more like Jesus. So when we read the Bible, we don't read the Bible to find out what scripture that we can do. Oh, yeah, it says he will never leave me. That means I can live my life any way I want. We don't read the scriptures and focus on that because those things will cause us to live a losing life. I don't want to live a losing life. I don't want to have, I don't want to have part Christianity and part world. I, I want God and all of God. And God wants you and he wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He wants a total, full-out commitment. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, God's grace is big and he will allow us to walk in certain amounts of darkness and sin. But there's going to be a time. I always believe it's the final call. He was going to say, are you going to leave this life of sin and you're going to come to the sun or are you going to just stay in that? Because I'm going to stop knocking on the door. 
Now, it's going to take many, many years, and a lot, but, but if you have prayers going for you, you're going to get saved. Amen. 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 Because the prayers of a righteous person makes tremendous power and will avoid the judgment. But why live a life, of, why live a life like that and finally get saved at the end and then, and then miss all the blessings that you could have walked in through your life? Am I preaching to anybody today? You know, I think about this and I'm closing. I think about people that have sinned and, and Jonah comes to my mind because Jonah was a prophet. And Jonah was called to, to preach to the, to the Ninevites, to, to Nineveh. And, and Jonah uh, knew about Nineveh's background and, and they were a mean people. And Jonah didn't like Nineveh. He, he, had, he had biases uh, towards Nineveh. And, and God said, I want you to preach repentance to them. And Jonah said, I think I know better. You see, you got to be careful when you start thinking that you're smarter than God. You got to start. You, you got to be careful that you think that you know best because God knows best. God has the perfect plan for your life. And Jonah said, well, I, and he took on, he took a boat and went the opposite direction. And finally, a storm came up, and it's debatable. Did God send a storm or the devil send a storm? It doesn't matter. The storm came. Amen. It came. And that storm was tossing that ship back and forth. And, they, and, and guess where, where Jonah was? He was down at the bow, and they had, they had to find Jonah and said, Jonah, do you know what's going on? They had to corner him. He said, yeah, I've served the God, God Almighty, and I'm kind of backslidden. You know, I'm not doing what he wants me to do, and that's why the storm's here. And, they, and he said, what can we do? He said, and Jonah finally got it because see, sin wants you to commit suicide sometimes, make you jump off a boat. And so he said, just throw me into the sea. Why? Because he knew that, that there, was, there was problems there. There was judgment there. And, but, but even in God's judgment, there's grace because God sent the well and, or the fish and the big fish swallowed up Jonah. And in the belly of the well, and we could be in the belly of the well today. We could be in a place in our life where we don't like. We can be in a place where sin is reigning and ruling in our life. But if you be like Jonah and just cry out to God, cry out to God in your misery, cry out to God and ask God to to help you and repent. And he did that. And guess what? God forgave his sin and gave him a one-way ticket to Nineveh with that fish and, and put him back on track. See, see, repentance and turning will get you back on track with God. And when you're back on track with God, that's where the grace of God will be in your life. uh, Jonah preached to the Ninevites and he preached. And guess what? They were bad for many years, but they fasted and prayed for three days. And God turned away his judgment from destroying that city. Three days of repentance uh, uh, overcame possibly hundreds of years of sin. Think about the grace and the mercy of our God. You could be doing something for a long time, but you know, you just, you say, God, I'm done with it. I'm giving that up. I'm letting it go. I'm turning to you. And then your whole past is washed away. You are new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. You, this day can be the first day of the rest of your lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't allow sin to destroy your relationship with the Father. Don't allow sin to destroy your relationship with the church. Glory to God. The enemy is working hard in keeping people from having fellowship with the Father and having fellowship with the church. Some people believe, I have fellowship with the Father. I don't need fellowship with the church. So some people don't go to church. They say it's just me and God. No, it's you, God, and, and the rest of us. Because we're a body and we need each other. And so so it's really, you know, for those that may be watching online, thank you for watching. But you need to get in church. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of yourself with other believers as a day day draws near. What day is that? Don't don't forsake the assembly. In other words, that we got to be coming together because Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is coming back not for a lukewarm backslidden church. Hmm. He's coming back for a church full of love and faith without spot or wrinkle. He's looking for a spotless bride, a chaste virgin. Yeah. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And that's going to be me. I'm going to be that chaste virgin for Jesus. And he's coming. And, you know, they, I'm, I, you know, I know I'm a guy, but I'm also a bride of Christ. Glory to God. And he's coming for me. And he's coming for you. And he's coming for that spotless, righteous, triumphant church. And you are that righteous, triumphant church. You are moving into a closer relationship with God. You are becoming more Christ-like. Jesus is going to be pleased when he sees you. And you will not shrink away at his appearing. And you're going to be the rapture church. Because the Bible says you need to pray that, 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 that you're in faith when Jesus comes, that you escape the trouble that's going to come down on this earth. So, if, so, so we have something to do if we're going to be raptured. What, what's that, Pastor? Walk with God. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Did you receive it this morning? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for your mercies. I thank you, Father God, for your goodness and your love. And Father, I thank you, Lord God. Oh, that you are a merciful God. You are a loving God. Oh, you, you are a forgiving God. And I thank you, Father, as we reach out to you, as we confess, as we turn away. Oh, times of refreshing will come into the midst of us. And I'm asking, Father God, that you reveal to each one of us where we are at in you. And if there's any adjustments in our lives so that we can be walking in the peace and the joy, reveal it to us. Maybe you're in, in here today or maybe watching and listening and you know it, that you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life. You have not confessed him as Lord and you're not living your life for Jesus. Well, today is a day of salvation. I want to lead you in a prayer to move you into that direction of following God. Say this in meaning your heart. Dear God, I believe Jesus... You died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were raised in the dead for my justification. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.